from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Welcome in, everybody. Hour two of the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for getting up with us early this morning. If you'd like to uh, chime in on the show, of course, you're always welcome to. 888-404-1010. That's 888-404-1010. That's 404-1010 and uh, 888-RIGHT-BEFORE-IT. Uh, during the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the stuff going on throughout the state of Florida and some of the things that we have to deal with on a regular basis. But I did want to let you know that coming up next Thursday or this coming Thursday, out at uh, G5 Feeding Outdoors, our good friend Randy Pack is going to be out there with some of his buddies uh, from the bass fishing world. And I think a couple of reps from Shimano are actually going to be out there as well because they're going to have their uh, first ever bass fishing clinic out there sponsored by Shimano. And they're going to be out there talking uh, fishing Tenorock and the lakes and baits and all that kind of good stuff. I uh, talked to Bill yesterday, and I heard tell that there might be some chicken wings and some beverages being served while we're out there. So it'll be a good time ahead by all. It's going to be from 5.30 to 7 o'clock, so you can swing by and uh, check it out and talk a bunch of fishing, all that stuff. I know this time of year there's a lot of guys out there uh, fishing. I know every Friday out of G5 we get inundated with all the guys getting ready to hit the tournament circuit for the weekend including high schoolers out there, a lot of Strawberry Crest kids out there coming in and getting their baits and stuff. I know um, Chase was in there yesterday buying a bunch of stuff. And you mean Chase? Chase from the awesome uh, Strawberry Crest team of Chase and Chase. Don't look at me like that. I know you've first seen that commercial before. Chase and Chase. So uh, they came in and got some baits. I'm not going to tell you which ones they were because they'll get mad at me. But uh, they went, came they'll in. They'll get over it. They came in and got a bunch of them. Is it plastic? Yeah. Oh, I knew it. Does yeah. it rattle? No. So anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, it's coming up on Thursday. Mark your calendars. We'd love to see you out there. 530 to 7 o'clock at G5 Feeding Outdoors, the Bass Fishing Clinic sponsored by Shimano. It's going to be out there. Uh, we have a – it's listed. It's up on our Facebook page. It's on G5's Facebook page and all that kind of good stuff. So we'd like to see you out there. A uh, story that came out this past week, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, that uh, seems that we found uh, bear problems. And uh, just in time for spring break, when the kids are out and people are trying to catch the little last vestige of cooler weather in the evening. So a lot of folks headed out to the woods. But uh, if you haven't heard, up in the jumper, uh, jumper Run area of the Ocala National Forest, let me just give you the headline right here off the story. We can't emphasize enough how unsafe and dangerous it is for people to overnight in this area right now. And that's according to the Ocala District Ranger, Carl Bauer. That's what he said. Wait a minute. When was the last time someone was attacked by a bear? We cannot emphasize enough how unsafe... That you know about. Oh, true. Unsafe and dangerous it is for people to overnight in this area right now. And there you go. Right there. U.S. Forest Service has reopened the Jumper Prairie Wilderness and Jumper Run in the Ocala National Forest for daytime use only. The area has been closed for 30 days, and overnight camping is still prohibited due to dangerous bear activity, according to the Forest Service news release. Stupid question. Don't the bears walk around in the daytime, too? Yeah, as a matter of fact, they do. As a they are fact. more nocturnal, but yes, they still do move around and, in the and daytime. The, we're talking about uh, Florida black bears, right? Yeah. All of, uh, at the most, 200 pounds? 
yeah, I know you've been out of state for quite some time. I've seen some big ones. I know you've been out of state for quite some time, Bart. So uh, when we had our bear hunt here, I think uh, the smallest one was around uh, 180 pounds or so, or somewhere around there. And I think the biggest was three and some change. I would have to get a confirmation from Bill George, but I heard less than of all the bears that were taken, like 10 were below the quote-unquote size limit that they wanted them to be. Oh, well, that, that maybe out of, out of 300 and some change that we took yeah. out of there, uh, that's pretty significant. But uh, thanks to the ongoing monitoring from the FWC, we know that bears or bears in question mm. are specifically targeting and slashing tents, even when people or attractants <gasps> are absent. So Ocala... Imagine that. Oh, you mean Boo Boo is associating human beings with food? No, man. Yogi got mad that Ranger Rick got fired. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Ocala District Ranger uh, Carl Bauer said in a news release, however, there's no evidence to suggest bears are tracking people. So there you go. Well, if we stop feeding them. Well, for that reason, Forest Service is allowing uh, hiking and kayaking, but visitors should stay alert as they travel through areas or go down to jump or run. A juniper run. U.S. Forest Service officers will continue to enforce the camping ban, and we have evidence that some individuals have been camping in the wilderness illegally mm-hmm. while the areas were closed. Uh, we can't emphasize enough how unsafe and dangerous it is for people to overnight in this area right now. Can I shoot a bear out of season if it's trying to attack me? I, I would think that sure. Why not? I, I mean, mean, you can uh, shoot it, but the repercussions afterwards are still going to come. I was going to say there's going to be a full investigation on that. Ju- judged by twelve instead of carried by six. Yep. I was going to say <laughs> you're going to have to be ready to face the consequences of uh, if the firearm was not allowed in the area to begin with, and then uh, killing a bear and all the other happy stuff that goes along with it. But uh, I mean, that's just. I thought that the black bears were, were were way more skittish of human beings than their counterparts, such as the uh, you know, the, the grizzly or the or the you know the polar bear. <laughs> I mean, you think about time. it. I mean, I mean, from what you see is that anytime that ever, anybody's ever seen a black bear that they weren't going to hunt or anything like that, they would stand up and make black bear. Black big. bears are very. People don't realize that, especially in the state of Florida, black bears are very territorial, very territorial. Especially when they got little babies around. No, well, I mean, I understand that part. But. As long as uh, you know they got a mama around, it's a pretty bad. Well, day like even Arcadia of all places, I've got friends down there that they, you know, of course, run feeders and stuff like right. that. And there's been several times walking in in the mornings, deer hunting and hog hunting, that they've had standoffs with black bears. Like, dude, this is my corn pile. You need to leave. Right. And Luckily, everyone that I've ever encountered in the woods, they were not feeding, and they were just moving from one place to another. So we both kind of just did the Mexican standoff and kind of went, "Look, hey, 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 you know, hey. I'm going to back up this way." And he, you know, we kind of both like mirrored each other's back up. He looked at me, and I looked at him. We kind of went, "Okay." And then once he went around the corner, and I went around the corner, we both took off. Okay, you go this way. I yeah, go this way. Took off a different <laughs> direction. They probably thought you were kind of cute. Didn't want to hurt you. I, you looked know, a lot maybe. like him. Probably after a week on the Okawaha River, I could probably see that. But uh, it was pretty sweaty and nasty. You probably smelled me first and went, whew. I am Sasquatch. Not eat- I am not Sasquatch. Eat- <laughs> I am not eating that, and it's pretty disgusting. Uh, so if you're planning on going out there in uh, Juniper Creek or Juniper Par- Prairie or anything like that, uh, be prepared to not be able to go camping. Mm-hmm. So what bear do you mace. do if you encounter a black bear? Scream. Make yourself look way bigger than him. Oh, you, you can't. Shout, yell. Don't run. Nope. 
Well, you, well, you know, put no. us in the scenario. If I'm going through Tyrone Square Mall and I see one, or what, what are you talking about? <laughs> if I'm hunting and I have one, then, you know, you do what you got to do. I mean, it's if you're sitting there, if you're in a, an area, let's say you're up in a ladder stand or you're up in a uh, stand where you cannot um, okay. get out as quickly as you would like to. You've seen videos where bears will climb right up that tree, right up to somebody. Oh, God, they'll run up a tree. Yeah, and I mean, they'll be right there sniffing your boots and everything else. And I mean, you, you got to make the determination. And of course, the videos that you see on on uh, social media usually indicate that no one has been shot. Did you, but, did, did you see the video last year of the guy who was in a climber and the bear shot up the tree? And when I say shot up, like mm-hmm. Dean was saying, shot up the tree, literally was probably a foot from this guy sitting in a climber. Yeah, but he was I, a small bear. That was a small I met bear. that guy, and he said, I'm telling you right now, he goes, I never in my life, I knew they were fast, he said, but I never in my life thought, he said, that was less than five seconds that bear was eyeball to eyeball with him. Oh, was this that video right he up. was with somebody so, else, too? No, he was hunting by himself. Oh, I saw a different video. And the mama, it was a mama and some cubs, or I say cubs, they were, weren't cubs, they were in between, but. Like I said, when he came up the tree, the bear went up the tree and went, hello, you know, peeking around the tree. And the guy said, literally, we were, he goes, I could feel the bear breathing on me. Sure. They were that close. So that scenario, I mean, is that life and death? I mean, what do you. That's a baby. You got to make that decision. I mean, the bear wasn't going to, I mean, I don't think that the bear was going to try to attack him while he's 30 feet up off the ground. I mean, they're they're animals, but they're not that stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, in that situation, right. it's not the one that's in the tree with you. It's, it's the, the one, the one on the ground that if you knock that one out of the tree and it goes to screaming, the one on the ground is going to come up the tree, and it's probably not going to be a good day for you. Yeah. I will say this. that uh, I had a, a young young man who was down hunting uh, down south during muzzleloader season, and a mother did come up his ladder stand. She had two cubs with her, and uh, all he could do was fire off his muzzle. You know, and he had one shot. I mean, he was a 14-year-old kid out there trying to scare her off, and she did go down, but she stayed down there clacking and jawing and, you know, making all kinds. She was not happy. But since he did make a, a gunshot, of course, his father and other people were like, oh, well, Brian got a gun. I got one. So we came running. And when they came out of the bushes, they saw her, and she saw that she was kind of outnumbered and, you know, took She's off. out. So they took off. But, Interesting. Kid sat there for about uh, an hour and a half feeding the mosquitoes, too afraid to move, so he couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. We come back, we'll give you the top cartridges that you will need to dispatch a bear. It said you need to. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Now that's the perfect song for the show today. <laughs> We've been going round and round all day in the studio. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, uh, Jonathan, Dean Frazier, Vince Noble, the uh, Don of Indian Rocks Beats, also known as Big Shug. And uh, Brother <laughs> Bart. Shug. Brother Bart decided to uh, drive across the bridge and come over and join us this morning. Fly. I Fly. flew across the bridge. Flew across the Thank you, uh, Florida State Troopers, for letting me. FHP. Bart's back in town. Yay. No, I, I caught him on the shift change. We're good. There you go. <laughs> well, during the, uh, before the break, we were talking about the black bear. Uh, seems to be a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to put it on all of them because usually when it happens like this, where you have one particular or two particular bears that uh, seem to um, enjoy 
breaking into cars or tearing up tents or getting into coolers. It's not the whole community. It's just. Oh, no. We uh, judge. We, in this day and age, we judge the whole group by the actions of a few. Well, that's. that's well, here lies the problem I mean, with that, human. though. That, people, there you go. People keep feeding them, though. And if they stop feeding the bears, they'll leave us alone. Well, Agreed. I, they are. Most of the time, they enforce that pretty strictly. And I think a lot of people know that if you don't leave food out for bears, uh, or cats or raccoons or anything else or alligators, then uh, chances are they're probably not going to get used to human beings. But there are the exceptions to the rules. Um, like, like pelicans. Like uh, we'll point out. Um, <laughs> I can't stand those things. It got to the point where now uh, down in Fort DeSoto, they actually put signs up everywhere that tell the people, please don't feed the dolphins. It's a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. And uh, Bart and I were out this past week fishing out on the pier, and I think it was probably my last trip because literally there is nothing out there. You know, you talked to every captain on a Wednesday night, and they were catching fish. They were slaying fish everywhere. It was flat. It was beautiful. I mean, you could have literally, if you'd have froze the uh, the Gulf of Mexico, you could have walked to uh, Texas or Mexico. Yeah. It was completely calm. I mean, there wasn't a breath of air. Seriously, there was not a breath of air moving so much so that at a thousand feet offshore, on the pier, you were getting eaten by mosquitoes. When was the wow. last time that happened? Yeah, that's been a minute. Seriously, I mean, it was dead, dead calm. Yeah, but and, like you said, it's a learned behavior, man. It's a mother that taught the cubs that you can get into tents and you can get food this way, and it's an easy meal. And then, so then the next cub, there you go, brings up their babies, and he goes, "Hey, well, my mom taught me this. Let's go here." It's the same thing as the dolphins down in Fort DeSoto. The dolphins that we saw were juveniles, and all they did was sit out there, and it was so quiet and so calm, no wind. All you heard all around you on the pier was. Yep. yep, you have that one dolphin out there that has uh, half a fin missing. Everybody knows him, at least at the Skyway. This isn't at Fort DeSoto, but it it's always there. That's all you heard all night, all around the whole entire pier. Is they're like right waiting? There. They're all waiting. Like, well, there's two idiots up there trying to catch fish. I'll just hang out here and wait for it. Then wait, wait for those it. dolphins out there are barracuda net killers. Yeah, and they are, and they were, and that's probably one. Of, and I'm not busting on fishermen, but I think reason number two, besides the dolphins, is the amount of boats that come in and out of there yeah. mm-hmm. every single day, throwing uh, cast nets, getting bait, and then running off. And uh, they're parked right next to the pier. They're getting their bait. I understand. Usually, a good thing about a barracuda, you're one and done. It's one throw. Well, but if you know it, how to throw it. <laughs> but when it's 35 boats in an hour. Uh. You know, when it's 35 boats in an hour, there's not much uh, going to be hanging around like there used to be. I don't so, know about that, man. Anyway. I don't know. You don't know because you weren't there. Oh, So, I've anyway. <laughs> you weren't there. Were you there Wednesday? <laughs> not that day. There you go. But so, I am aware of you, the situation you speak. I've, I've, I had a really good friend of mine <laughs> catch the biggest trout of his life out there off that 1,000-foot pier. And all he got back was the head just below the gill plate. Well, how did he know it was the biggest trout of his life? Because, because the mouth was about head. that big around when he, when he got back yeah. the head. And that dolphin literally came up Bro, and you're a fish, man. You know yeah, He I tightened know. down the drag and says, no, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm bef- getting something out of this, dang it. Give me some fish head soup. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about bears. And lo and behold, Realtree, our good friends out at Realtree, have come up with a top ten. This is just for you, Vince. Uh, bullets that you are going to need uh, to uh, dispatch a black bear. So if you're going to be out there, your calibers that you will probably promptly need to dispatch a black bear. Number 10 on the list, uh, not too many people hunt with anymore, but a lot more people should, especially you, Bill George, is the uh, 375 Ruger. 
great round. When you can push a 300-grain bullet around 2,600 feet per second, it's going to do what it needs to do. It's going to hurt. 375, it's modeled after the 375 H&H, which is a great round. Number nine, 35 wheeling. Not one that people use much anymore, but a great round, 2,900 Ain't got feet much per distance, second. but it hits like a tank. 200-grain bullet coming out of there, 2,930, 2,910, somewhere around that area. That's a great round. Uh, 338 Winchester Mag. Pretty much will take care of anything in North America. Are we talking about black bears? Or are we talking about black like coastal brown bears here? Black My bears. gosh! Well, this is uh, this has got the Bill George mentality for a while on the top ten. So number eight is the three thirty eight Winchester Mag. Uh, number seven is the three hundred Win Mag. Bill George's favorite. Yeah, thirty two hundred and fifty feet per second when the hundred fifty grain bullet. It's going pretty fast, and it'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, thirty out six. Right there, take care of just about anything you need. Seriously, in the United States. Killed but. more stuff than the plague. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, number five is the 308. Very accurate. If you know what you're doing, it's a good round to get in there and get her done on black bears, especially. Number four, seven millimeter 08, the neck mm. down 308. Uh, a little fast bullet. And again, we're getting into the calibers where you need to be a better shot than you would if you were shooting a 375. So seven millimeter eight is number four. Number three is the two eighty Remington, a great round, very overlooked, and uh, not very popular as it used to be. But uh, twenty nine hundred feet per second, one hundred sixty five grain. It's dad uh, loves his. Yeah, it's a great round. Uh, number two, two seventy. Hey, look at there. We still kill anything in North America with a two seventy for shot proper shot placement. It's that see, that's the key. That's what I'm saying. And the number one one, I'm going to dispute this all day because I don't agree with this. Is the six five Creedmoor six five Creedmoor two sixty Remington basically a little different shoulder and a little more high velocity but basically almost the same thing twenty seven hundred feet per second out of a hundred forty grain bullet I'm not shooting that at a black bear I'm sorry see one thing I've seen uh, I don't know if you know who Tim Wells is I think that's his name but uh, I watched a video of this man sitting there in a blind with a blowgun. Yeah. Shoot a black bear with a blowgun, multiple, not just one, and he killed it with a blowgun. Yeah, you got to know Tim. Tim's a little crazy. He's well, also I, the guy. I, he's also the guy in Africa. Oh no, dude! He's also the guy in Africa that stabbed himself in the leg with a spear that he was killing animals with over there and almost died. He's crazy. Throw me the spear. It's in the bone. <laughs> the sad part is, is that's pretty much ex- very close to what happened. The Tim Wells story, quick Tim Wells story. I was hunting in Illinois, right down the road from his place, and I actually got to meet Bo Jackson with Tim Wells. It was the coolest day of my life. Bo Jackson, that would be fun. No, awesome. I, I got to ask, where did the uh, where was the shot placement on the blowgun dart? Uh, I believe it was like a perfect heart shot or whatever. I think he, I think it killed it within a few minutes. At least it like it just stumbled off, barely even knew what happened, and it just fell like. Within if it, yards, of if him. it's him, it's heart or head. That's yeah. pretty much his image. How long was the dart? Well, it, it was a regular sized dart. It had a, a broad tip on size? it, probably six inches, seven okay. inches. But he sharpened it and he loosened the dart from the actual um, whatever the plug is that like the the back end. So when it went in, the plug actually fell off and the dart just kept on going. So it's basically like you're shooting a little. Dude. You know that spear goes all. It went almost all the way through it. It like went in one side and out uh, and hit the. I think it what? hit a rib on the other side. 
Yeah. How in the world? How much lung power do That's you use? That's what I was going to say. Dude, he, uh, no, the video. He you can watch the video. He shoots it, and it comes off. He sharpened the spe- the little dart beforehand, and it just went in, and it almost went the to the The bear thinks side. he got bit by a mosquito. So it was like a sabo <laughs> round, so that uh, the dart kept going, but the shaft fell away. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no, the, 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 the plastic, Yeah, the uh, little plastic cap fell off. As it hit, the plastic cap falls off, but the dart just keeps on going. Right. So you have this little spear basically going almost all the way through this bear. And I mean, he, he shot it from literally like five feet away. Like it okay. came right up You're, to him. Yeah. I, I, just can't, I can't understand that. Uh, there are rounds that don't make it that far into the cabin. I don't understand it, Here. but it happened. I mean, You're talking about a guy holder. who's killed a brown bear at probably 50, 60 yards by shooting it between the eyes with a bow. Well, there's a, that's okay. I that's mean, a little that's, different. But a blowgun. I mean, think about it. I mean, is it, it, did, did the, in the video, did it show him the, like the five yeah. minutes ahead of time expanding his lungs so that way he could get the foot <laughs> pounds of pressure? <laughs> All I know is he's literally saying there's a bunch of – he's sitting in the middle of a bunch of trees, and he's just chilling there, and the bear walks up, and it, the first time it ran away because he didn't get a good – he didn't, couldn't get a shot off. It comes back and literally is just looking at him. He's – feet away from this thing like me to you away from it and he shoots it and it like kind of backs off and it almost just walks away it d- probably didn't even know it got hit and then it just stumbles you're not, over and, and falls you're talking down. about a guy that you're not they're not using the how do i say this he's not using the army surplus you know 1599 right. screw together two piece looks like a couple pieces of right, pvc right, pipe right. blow gun so no, i mean I, I mean i understand completely but i mean the I mean, think about that. That small of a projectile, I mean, it would have literally have had to hit a, a major artery yes. or, or, or one of the valves there in the heart to make that happen. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. It was a punji stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put that past him either. <laughs> or the guy that they don't show that's 20 yards behind him actually shooting him with a 308. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. We're going to be a buyback. Finally, a guy not in spandex. Welcome back, everybody. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. <laughs> he wore leather. Braden, Jonathan, uh, Dean, bats. Vince, and Bard in the studio. Aaron over there behind the glass uh, getting things done. I've uh, got the uh, video of the uh, blowgun bear uh, hunt uh, going in the background, so we'll probably be distracted for at least five more minutes. Uh, it's amazing to see. Uh, we can multitask. What are you talking about? The first one I thought was pretty good where he took the bear with the spear. That was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, they didn't show the distance that it traveled, but it didn't seem like it went very far after that big monster spear well, You know, did did what it was supposed to do. But I, you know, I I love this video, and I love the the fact that this guy does this kind of stuff. Uh, what's his name again? Tim Wells. Tim Wells. Because when all the animal rights people start screaming and yelling about how unfair it is for you to go out and shoot something with a uh, thirty-five Wheeland, uh, you know, because you can hit it at a thousand yards. Why don't you go out there and face that bear, well, you know, face to face, man? And go, well, uh, Tim Wells seems to do it all right. Are you okay with that? Well, and you know uh, what? A sad the sad part though is with him. He's a really cool guy because I was telling y'all during the break, I know him. I met him at several shows. I mean, he's hilarious to talk to, but he's kind of a pariah in the industry because there's so many people who think, well, you shouldn't be showing this and you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be. And it's it's kind of like the whole Under Armour thing. And I know I beat that horse all the time with the Bomars and her husband killing a bear with it. I mean, it, 
come on, people. It's not that should show you that no matter what you do, no matter how you do it, it's not going to matter to them. So stop giving a crap about what they think. Well, that's because that's that's true. (laughs) The bottom line is, is that uh, they don't want any form of it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And I. And I've pointed that out to many people that I've had uh, discussions with on social media. I said, fine, we'll go back to the old days where there's 26 or 30 of us standing around with sharpened sticks, and we'll just all take turns poking it until it uh, you know, bleeds out and dies. Yeah. So, why, why is it okay for people to go to Publix and buy their chicken and their steak, but they'll complain about somebody to go out there to, to go hunt and get their own food? It's because yeah. they don't want to see it. They don't understand where yeah. they, they don't want to understand where their food comes from. Right. Thank no. you. And, and, then, and I love it because they're the same people that uh, make sure their dogs are in crates before they leave and go to work for eight or ten hours of the day. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it's just uh, the mentality of uh, what they think is right and what you do is wrong, and there's nothing you can do for mm-hmm. most part. Well, now this one I thought was an interesting story that came out this past week where both uh, animal rights advocates and mm-hmm. hunters have combined their efforts to try to stop this, but it seems to be of no avail. I don't know if you heard this story, but uh, it oh, was... Yes. Conservation groups, hunting groups, as well as animal rights activists are all up in arms over the fact that uh, four Canadian wolves have been airdropped into a national park at the Royal National Park in Michigan. They were taken and captured out of Canada and brought into Michigan. Uh, And why do you think they brought wolves back into the national park in Michigan? To kill moose, I believe. Is it moose or elk? To help the population... They brought the elk, they brought him in to keep the moose population in check. And I thought it was very funny, as we've all spoken to. I see Jonathan rubbing his temples as we speak. Um, many in the hunting community are outraged at the release of these wolves. And those same hunter conservationists are quick to admit that they, if given the chance to help manage the population, which we always encourage, would also know what to do when they saw a moose. You know, shoot right. it or take it. Uh, but that didn't stop the National Park Service from making the decision that it did and dropped the wolves in there to bring predation to uh, the moose as a management tool, which I think is probably a perfect word that you could use for the idiots who thought that that was a good idea. <laughs> so we're talking and- about two breeding pairs, right? Right. Okay, so then that obviously doesn't have a litter of pups yet. With no competition except for the other pair of wolves. Okay, so then you're talking three months until gestation of the first litter, and then another, what, six months until... The- no, I think wolves are still on the same as dogs. So. Okay. But the thing is, is that right now they're going to be hunting, not going to be hunting for moose, for the most part. As the hunters pointed out quickly... That uh, wolves don't go, oh, we're only here to eat the moose, okay? <laughs> we're here to just well, take moose, honey. Remember that. You know, don't... When they're out there on their own before they have breeding pups, they're going to be eating Professor rabbits. Professor Gunn. They're going to be eating rabbits, deer, fawns, everything else they can get their hands on. And then when they do have a massive litter of pups, then they may go down and actually drag down a moose. But they're not going to drag down a moose if it's harder than it is yep. to take down a white tail. Yep. Professor Gunn. Yes. Right, good question. Uh, yes, in the back. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm only a high school educated idiot, and here's my whole thing: if you're going to propagate a species or reintroduce a species into an area, why would you only? Put, Bart stated, why would you only do two breeding pairs? Because you're going to kind of, uh, kind of cross homogenate the. Uh, Bloodlines there pretty quick with only two pairs. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter when it comes to. Uh, 
I mean, canines. It's not like humans or anything else. Well, like that, I mean, I kind of look at it like from the cattle side of things, you know, you don't keep the, uh, you don't want the bull breeding as uh, heifers. If you get where I'm going with that. I understand, but yeah. uh, you so, know, but, well, the, but this is just the start. So, you know, once they do it once, you know, after these two groups get established, then what they'll do is they'll bring in, uh, you know, a couple others out of there, you know, or maybe they'll bring some in their own. So, you know? so, so instead of, so they're looking for a quick fix, but yet they're look, but they put in a long term. Yeah, they've got exactly. Well, no, they what put, happens when the wolves overpopulate themselves? Yellowstone. Well, what's going to happen is, uh, you know, if nothing has happened in in twenty years, they're going to be facing the same thing as they have in Yellowstone, yeah. where uh, now you have uh, packs and packs and packs that are devastating everything around the area. And uh, reading the story, they were worried that, uh, you know, because they put it out uh, supposedly on an island uh, area where they're not going to be able to move or go to some other place. <laughs> like, like it doesn't freeze up there. Uh, wolves have swim, legs. Right? Uh, they swim. And they it swim. freezes up there. Sure. Uh, the wolves have legs. I mean. <laughs> well, no, Bart pointed it out. That. All we have to do is wait till winter, and when the liquid turns to solid, we just walk over to that other place over there. I mean, isn't that how humans came from Europe to here, supposedly, well, uh, technically? The land bridge. The land bridge. I, I just... It, <laughs> Those youpers up there are not going to let that happen, man. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If the wolves make it the next five years, because, you know. Uh, accidents happen. Accidents happen, and it was eating my chickens, and I had to do something. But a quick scroll through social media this past week revealed that uh, the vast majority of the hunting community, as we do in this room, don't agree with the decision to release more wolves into the lower 48, because that's basically what you've done. I know yep. they started there. But now they're going to be here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like the coyotes. Oh, no, they're out there in Colorado. They're out west. They're in west Texas. Don't worry about it. They'll never get here. Well, Hello. Well, remember that the coyotes are so prevalent now because the wolves are not here. Well, yes. That's, one of, the reasons. that's yeah. one of the reasons why. But uh, as anything would do, the hunters actually sent in a little uh, paperwork to the state of Michigan and to the uh, smarter people than them, apparently. And it seems that uh, they had some valid points. When they came to, hey, look, let us give you some opportunities besides bringing in the wolves. How about we do this? How about we allow hunters to achieve their goals and produce a license and tag sales that would benefit the conservation? How about oh, we do yeah, that? Oh, yeah, we make money. Whoa. We, yeah. yeah they, and they said no. And so uh, opting for the hunters instead of wolves, they can achieve a population management control goals. And it would also... Oh, Generate revenue instead of costing the government time, money, and resources to trap and import and release. Well, wolves. and you wouldn't have my. This is my whole issue. I have no, no problems, no qualms, or nothing like that with reintroducing a species that was there, that has disappeared. But it's just like everything else. Where's the management? That's, uh, that's going to be coming in a few more years. Yeah. Hunting would also be more accurate method for pinpointing population management as the number of moose taken could be regulated via quota hunts or exactly. quota permits. If hunters managed the moose population rather than wolves, other species would not be affected. 
some of which are already in trouble, as wolves will not only just take the moose, but also deer and other game animals as well. And now that more wolves are on the landscape and their numbers are likely to grow, public safety concerns continue to rise as predator populations increase. And it is clear that they are not happy with the recent release of four Canadian wolves in the UP of Michigan. It seems that the future of wildlife management within the National Park Service. Well, and the problem I have, too, is is it's just like you, you hit on the topic. You're dealing with – and I don't understand why wolf is like the hot buzz – predator animal that they're using because you're putting an animal into a situation you you have an animal that loves to kill that will kill without reason i mean just to do it so what good is that by them going out there and people going around and just seeing a bunch of carcasses laying everywhere because i don't know we had a bloodlust going on and they wanted to go out there and start ripping the throats out of everything well they'll come back for it later you know they'll, they'll kill it now that way we don't have to worry about it later and we'll come and gnaw on it for a few hours and then we'll move on to another one mm. but you know it seems that that's happening a lot we've know up in new york and new jersey and other states where they're paying you know to either uh have professionals come in and euthanize deer or give them some birth control or something. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why these people always seem to think that government is the, the smart thing to the do when, when uh, government could be making a lot more money if you just sold the moose tags. There are plenty of volunteers, I guarantee it. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. And Brandon Ford, stay with us. We'll be right to back Challenge. I hope Vince appreciates the heck that he's putting us through today. This is horrible, man. Bringing back memories, is it there, Bart? No. <laughs> Not good ones. No. Oh, man. Welcome back, everybody. It's the uh, Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, uh, Jonathan, Dean Frazier, Bart, and uh, Vince apparently had to run downstairs. I think our visitors are coming here. He's going to be here. Uh, that sound is probably telling me that he's locked out of the building. Good morning, Alan. How are you this morning, my friend? Alan. Enjoying the show this morning, guys. A lot of great topics. You know, I, I just saw, you know, I was listening to the bear caliber uh, story earlier, and, and now you're talking about uh, introducing wolves where they don't belong. Uh, I've kind of been privy to both. Uh, moved down here recently from Wisconsin, and boy, they really had a hard time when they tried to introduce wolves and elk at the same time. Well now, <laughs> wait a minute. So we we're, we're going to eat you. We brought in these. We bring in these newbie elk that have no idea where the heck they are or where they can go right. and where their things are. And wolves can go and camp out anywhere; they don't care. So to introduce them all at the same time before you have one established herd is pretty uh, pretty ludicrous. Yeah, well, well, that was about fifteen years ago. They projected they would be hunting them in about five years. It took them fifteen. Wow! They just had the first hunt last year. Yep. And, of course, the first guy who drew a tag uh, uh, shot an elk illegally, and him and his guy both got arrested. Yep. <laughs> shot it across the road, and, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, but, you got to uh, take you got to take the shot that you can win. You get it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're only going to get a tag every 15 years. you got to do what you got to do. Uh, you know, face yeah. the consequences of it. But I know yeah. that that whole area up there with uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, they're reintroducing elk, which we have, uh, think is a great idea. And I understand that there has to be some uh, version of a predator out there besides humans. But 
When you're on an island situation and you bring in wolves to control a population of moose that could literally be readily handled every single year by as many volunteers as you could find, I guarantee you that there are people anywhere in the continental United States that would raise their hand immediately and say, I will go shoot your moose for you. As a matter of fact, I will happily buy a tag. I, I, will, pay to, I yeah. will pay to be able to do it because if you know what the waiting list and the waiting year and the amount that it costs you to go to Alaska to shoot one, yep. to be able to go to upper, you know, up to the Upers up in Michigan and be able to shoot one, uh, dude. How much money do you think Maine brings in a year with people going up there shooting Shiris moose? Oh, uh, I would say millions, multiple millions of dollars every year. Doesn't New Hampshire and Vermont have a higher moose population than Michigan? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. So, yeah. so why didn't they drop them over there? I, you know, I, I don't know. You'll have to talk to the National Park Service for that. I'll make for a phone call. I'll be right back. I'll tell you, I saw firsthand what the, uh, the decimation of the, the, the whitetail herd in the north, northern part of Wisconsin was just horrible. Exactly. Really, and they haven't recovered. Yeah, and and they have an abundance of whitetails in Wisconsin, but still, it was it, there's parts of like red tide for for whitetails. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, uh, well, you know what? Hey, That's look, true because they're indiscriminate and they don't care if it's a fawn or they if it's oh, a six year old deer. They don't they don't care. Food is food, man. And that that was the big thing is the, is the way it affected the fawns. It just that's what they go for easy kills and easy. So that's they do it for fun. That was that was my point. When you bring these deer, in, I mean, you bring these wolves in there, uh, and you look at it, and they're novices, and they're in a they're in a new land themselves. So are they going to stick with what they know and go after uh, the Very easy large deer? Yeah. The easy deer, or are they going to try to pack up? At, you know, they're like looking at those moose, going, "Okay, we're not going to go try to get that thing until we get like eight more guys." You know what I mean? When yeah. we get when we get a few more babies grown, uh, then maybe we'll go after the moose. But for the time being, me and mom will take every fawn, every doe, every deer, every raccoon, whatever it is that's up there. And feed ourselves until we have pups, and then we'll move up to the bigger animals. Yeah, you know when I was I was going out west to, to Wyoming on my first uh, elk hunting trip with a bow, and I, I was looking for a caliber for a pistol for, for you know the what if out there for bears, and I picked up a little uh, Forest Judge, and I went down to Cabela's and asked the guy you know caliber to, to put in it what, what to put in it to stop bears. He said, well, the first thing you want to do is shave off that front sight. I said, well, what's that do for me? He goes, well, it's going to hurt a lot less when that bear shoves it up your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you just made Jonathan feel worse because that's what he carries when he's out west. (laughs) No. No, Jonathan's got a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit more firepower than that. Yeah, his he doesn't put the uh, little four ten round in it. He puts the big the big load in. There, I, I so. think he was just trying to sell me that four fifty four he had behind the counter. But that's a good choice. I'm not going to poo poo <laughs> on that one because that's one of my favorites. Trust me, ones. trust me when I say this. That he can say what he wants to, but I don't know of too many animals when they catch around a four ten to the face that are. Uh, they're not as how do you say aggressive? Yeah, it seems to slow them down a bit, especially that Hornady self defense load. With uh, the, yeah, three metal discs, yeah. <laughs> three copper before, discs coming out. It's a pretty good idea. Before I sold that judge, I put some four ten rounds in it, and I picked off a, a gray squirrel off my bird feeder, and, and replacing the glass in that bird feeder was expensive. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it was totally worth it. Exactly. 
<laughs> I hit everything around it, and only two pellets reached the uh, squirrel. So there that's a go. good thing. Well, Alan, man, I hope you get a chance to get back up to your homeland uh, this year and maybe do some deer hunting. Are you going to head back up well, to Wisconsin or what? Oh, I go up, I go up every year for the opener. I'm actually from 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 Florida. I married into it. Ah. Uh, I talked Mama into coming back down here after ten years, and it wasn't hard to twist her arm. We actually yeah. got a, a bunch of companies coming today to fish for a week, so I took the week off from work. Oh, good for you, man! There you it's, go, brother. it's a good time to be yeah. out there before that front actually comes pushing through this weekend. It'll be a good time yeah. to go tonight. That's for sure. That's it. Yeah, next week we're going to be in the boat pretty much all all the time, and then send them back home. They're slowly migrating down here. They're following my lead. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Don't 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 encourage that, okay? Let's you know You're as a floor, problem, just keep on sir. pushing down to yeah. Venice and Miami. And and Miami yeah. Keep know, on going. Naples is a perfect place to settle in. There you go. <laughs> head, head down there, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, Alan, we appreciate the call, man, and let us know what's going on in your life, especially if you get to get back up there for an uh, opener, man. Let us know how uh, you do. Yeah. Uh, we went up there to I I was only I go up for the opening weekend and we my son got his first buck, a little three pointer, and I shot two does and we packed the back straps and the and an extra bag of luggage and threw it on a legion camp home. There you <laughs> That's go. the way to do it. I know That's Bill George Bill George goes up to Pennsylvania a couple times a year to get his stuff and bring it back, so it's all good. Yeah. We had we had forty pounds of sausage and brats and bacon and, and back straps and loins. <laughs> yeah. Well your life sucks. So thanks for calling. <laughs> Take care, it. brother. Thanks, Alan, right, man. Have a, Have a great day. All right, let's go. Uh speaking of the devil himself, uh, Mr. Bill George is on the phone. Hello, Bill. Good morning. How are we doing today? Well, you know what? We really don't care that you're calling because have you, most of the people who've been listening to the show actually know that our phones have been blowing up, uh, Tweety, 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 and I look down and I see pictures of dead birds, and I'm really upset. So yeah. uh, obviously one of these is yours. Did you hit it with the car? No, 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 no. It flew down and uh, landed about uh, 30 yards and uh, took, took a load of uh, sixes. Really? He's from somebody else? That's a good shot. No, no, that's my bird. Oh, really? Well, that you... may be the last picture you see this season, though. Oh, that's very nice. Now, I, where was this? Uh, I don't, I don't recognize the building in the background. It's Richland. I oh. was in Richland. This it morning. says Richland right there on the wall. It does. Oh, it does. Now that I've zoomed in, <laughs> it says right there. Oh, <laughs> sir, I will be there in a few hey. weeks myself. Hey. Well, Bill George is there now, so there won't be any birds yeah. left by the time you get there. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're all going to be gone. All right. Well, listen. You either got to hang on or you got to hang up. One of the two. It's eight fifty seven. We got to take a break. I'll, I'll hold on. Oh, oh, sure. Thanks for that. Thanks for the warning. All right, we're going to talk to Bill when we get back. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Hour number three is coming up very rapidly, so stay with us. We're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to hopefully get the. Uh, the Bartmore folks in here so they can tell us what's going on over here and uh, getting rid of one of Dean Fraser's most favorite uh, fishing golf courses on the planet. Uh, it's top of the hour. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. It's hour number three coming up, so don't go nowhere. <laughs> 